0: That's in the Bible, episode 31. Suicide is not painless.
1: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage in the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away.
0: Hello, oh, and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and even after a little bit of a technical delay and some technical difficulties here in the studio because I cleaned the soundboard and messed up all the controls, <laughs> guys have been pretty patient. But uh, how's everybody doing today?
2: Doing just doing well, fine.
0: You. Can you do that in three part harmony? <laughs> Steve, Steve, you could get him to do that, couldn't you? Uh, I could try
3: take a long time for me to get in take thing, a
4: long time that. yeah okay so well what's new with everyone well we had good resurrection Sunday services at church um, it was a blessing we did had a lady that was visiting who uh, responded during the invitation that she wasn't saved with an uplifted hand and then uh, one of our ladies walked down the aisle with her and um, she asked the Lord to save her so that was a blessing
2: amen 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 the Lord. About you, Steve? Um, just been busy as usual. Um, went to uh, the early part of the end of the week, I guess you could say. On Thursday night, we we went to Toledo to see my oldest daughter, Jess, and spent a few days with her, and then came back. Had a, a good day, Resurrection Day, uh, with our church people. Had choir that sang, and and uh, just uh, had a real good day, and then. Uh, Oh, I think it was last week I finished up uh, the church history. Did uh, I think it's about a total of 21 uh, uh, studies on, on church history. And, and that'll and, be
0: available in MP3 format for our listeners for a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <Brian. laughs>
2: your own perfect public service announcement there. For a, for a uh, <laughs> love offering. <laughs> for, <yeah. laughs> uh, but finished that up. That was a real blessing to be able to, to do that. And, and
0: those uh, are on
2: MP3, aren't they? Yeah, we've got them on our church website. Well, uh, as much as they carry on a thing, they go into some sort of an archive, I guess. But, oh. um, but that was a blessing. And then um, we began to disciple the fella. Uh, been discipling him for a number of months now and, and finished that up earlier this evening. And we got prayer in the home tomorrow. A lot of people from our church come to to my house and uh, we sit down and and pray for uh, revival, pray for souls to be saved, pray for the power of the preaching of the Word of God. So, Amen. always staying busy. Amen. Oh, also went to Attica on Monday, too, so uh, did that. And, on your own and, free will, though, right? On my own free will. Uh, <laughs> they they almost didn't let me in, and then they almost didn't let me out, so. Uh, <laughs>
0: Sounds like there's a story there. <laughs>
2: Were you carrying contrabands or what? Uh, no, no, <laughs> too no. Too many no. Bibles or? There's there's a lot of regulations uh, when you when you go to the prison and and uh, even though all the uh, documentation was was in order uh, Pastor somehow Strobel, it didn't.
0: Pastor Strobel didn't vouch for you.
2: <laughs> Actually, he took the took the day off, so oh, okay. uh, we were I had uh, Phil with me and and uh, he was sweating bullets, hoping that I would be able to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but so the, my name the wasn't phone. at
4: the gate. I didn't hear the part about not being able to get out, though. <laughs> yeah, he's
3: still in. Uh, that's a standard joke. Steve's I, calling I, us I from always... Attica. <laughs> Steve, how's the food over there? Pretty bad. So.
0: All the guards uh, are listening to this, Steve, and they'll be looking for you when you come next time now. I'll you... I,
2: I tell you what, it's a real blessing to, to go to Attica. We've got some guys that, that are there that, that uh, you know, as much as people think that, that – um, People use Jesus Christ as a crutch in prison. Uh, Brother Strobel can verify for these guys. The, these guys have trusted the Lord, and they're committed, and they're they're uh, soul winners. So at least they, they are witnesses for Jesus Christ. Yep. And uh, they come out faithfully. And, and I'll tell you, there's times we give them pretty hard stuff, <laughs> hit them right between the eyes, and they keep
4: coming back. So Amen. these guys are good guys. Amen. And they look forward to it. It's um, a breath of fresh air for them. Amen.
3: And uh, Matthew? I've just been uh, trying to keep busy as well. We just got out of uh, visitation about an hour ago and uh, went door knocking and and, uh, had some, uh, of course, uh, a lot of doors slammed in our face. Uh, It's a a rough area around here. A lot of people have uh, some good amount of money, uh, so a lot of them don't really want to talk about it and a uh, big, big Roman Catholic area around here. And uh, so as it's said, you know, you, you want to talk to them a little bit about the Bible and about salvation, but but they say they've got their religion and, and all that kind of stuff. And you try and explain to them it's not about religion. You know, it's about what God says through the Bible and a personal relationship with Christ, but, but they don't want to hear it. So uh, well, we had some good door knocks. We had some good conversations. Uh, one guy, Brian, we talked to and and uh he really uh you know didn't believe that he was getting there by his own good works, which is pretty amazing to talk to somebody like that that doesn't believe they're going to get there by just being a good person and and so uh so we were able to give the gospel to him a little bit and uh we uh, there was a couple people walking, and I uh, gave him a gospel track and when we went back to my car because uh, I guess I have scripture signs on my car, they knew it was my car they stuck the scripture signs in my uh in my front uh what do you call that grill there so we came back and there was little designs all over my car with the uh with the gospel tracks so <laughs> so that was pretty interesting but uh but at least they got some scripture from my car and uh <laughs> got a little bit of that today so so that was good and huh
0: they stuck the tracks in the grill is that what you Yeah mean? they
3: stuck the gospel tracks in the grill and uh and so that was that was interesting but uh but yeah, and, and we've got the basketball ministry that we do every Tuesday, and we get together for a couple hours. Uh, probably half the guys that come are, are not saved, so it's really great. And uh, we go from 6.30 to 8.30. We have about a half-hour devotion in the middle and uh, just preach about Jesus. And uh, And uh, just guys have been coming out faithfully. We've had a few saved. And uh, and also there's a, a gentleman also. he saved. Uh, but he's heard all of us say we believe the King James Bible is a perfect, inerrant, inspired word of God, and uh, and he's never heard that before. So uh, it's worked out that I've been able to stay back after everybody else leaves, and we've been uh, talking about the King James Bible and and all the other versions, and and the uh, you know, of course, they believe that the original Hebrew and Greek, you know, that's that's the preserved, inspired word of God, and that's where it kind of stands. And and uh, so it's been great, though. He's really been. Uh, open to talk about it. You know, a lot of times you talk to these guys that uh, don't believe the King James Bible and they, they just want to argue, but he's really open about it and he's really searching it out. So uh, if you could pray for that, uh, for that opportunity just to keep open and and he wants to, in a couple of weeks, stay back for, for maybe a couple hours and talk about it. So, so uh, yeah, so it's, God's opened up a lot of opportunities for me, especially, uh, you know, with this, with this gentleman, I hope that, um, uh, you know, of course God will, keep that door open for
2: him. Amen. Amen. Eric, how about you?
0: Well, I just wanted to say hi to Mike, uh, if he's listening, and also his wife Michelle, who um, Mike's been coming over, and we've been having some Bible studies on Tuesday evenings. <clears throat> and this last Tuesday, his, his wife also came and joined us. So we had a we had a good time, and and uh, it was a good time of fellowship, and we uh looking forward to it. Hope we can do it again, and and we're planning again for the uh, upcoming Tuesday as well. Good. Um, Amen. Of course, as I think about that, I'm <laughs> I'll see how I'm feeling on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, you're going to be out for a little while. Yeah, I yeah. am. Well, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Dad, Dad's going to have a procedure, and he's uh, he's trying to back out. I told uh, him I'm going to drag him if I have to.
0: <laughs> hey, well, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> All righty. So,
0: um... Anything else?
4: I'd like to just say uh, hello to our friends that have been tuning in from uh, California. A uh, good I friend bet. of mine out there, and he's mentioned the program to some other folks and has uh, alerted us that they've uh, been listening. And so uh, we're glad that, that you are, and we hope it'll be a blessing to you. Amen. Amen.
2: Yeah,
0: so it was uh, always interesting that uh, folks are tuning in and, and uh and getting a blessing, and I know we've had some new listeners too that have uh, contacted. That's in the Bible. It's just some questions about some of the procedures and how things work and how they're downloaded and things like that. And and um, I know one of the questions that uh, that one of the your friends there or someone listening in California had was the uh, the theme music, right? Yes, Matt. Do you what's the name of the the group that does the theme music from Buckley Road?
3: Ah. Uh. I don't know. It's not Paths of
0: Gold, is it? It's, or no. is that the CD?
3: I'm not sure. I can't remember.
0: All right. But I'll look that up and I'll uh, I'll get that, uh, put that in the show notes at least from today. So we can, maybe I should list it on the on the website somewhere since it's a credit. So I'll do that. I'll find, out, find out that information and give that.
2: You know, Eric, was something that might be interesting, and I don't know if, you know, people that listen, if they could just... Respond by you know going onto to the show notes or not the show notes, but the the uh, podcast the mm-hmm. website, and just stating where they're from I mean yeah. you know Steve from Pocono uh mm-hmm. Pennsylvania or whatever you know just right. some, some just let us know that i mean if they don't like to write a lot of stuff, you know comment on the show, mm-hmm. which we would encourage anyway, but even if they just let us know from where they're from, I think that would be a blessing just to see. You know, how far and wide uh, it's spread so far.
3: Amen.
0: Amen. Well, we know we have a listener in Finland. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, and, and, uh, if you. Australia? If you, yeah. If you've downloaded this from iTunes, you can get to our website at that'sinthebible.com. It's all one word. T H A T S I N T H E B I B L E. That's in the Bible.com. And that'll take you right to our website. And, uh, you should be able to find everything that you need right there. Amen.
3: We, we apologize for Brother Steve in advance. We we try and keep him on a tight leash, but sometimes you can't hold him out. Right, Brother Steve?
2: Well, the young man is lashing back. <laughs>
3: Looks like the boy genius is trying to show me up.
1: <laughs> oh, amen.
0: You can always count on Matt for Stir the pot a little bit. Of course, I, try, I try to keep I, things running smooth
2: <laughs> at all times. Oh, amen,
0: amen. So we're not going to actually do a quote of the day. We're we're going to feature the baritones. Is that what you're calling the group? The uh, is that the trio?
2: Yeah, it's kind of a play on words. I mean, obviously, a baritone is a is be, uh, below a tenor but above a bass. And uh, uh, three boys and I uh, sing together. And, Of course. Instead of it being spelled the regular way of baritones, we spell it with our name. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the guys in church named us that after they heard us sing one time. So it kind of stuck. It's
0: pretty catchy. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll put that at the end of uh, Pastor Strobel's uh, message or lesson today. Amen. Well, Pastor Strobel, are you ready? Yes, I am. Well, let's go ahead and get started today.
4: In recent times, I have, by no choice of my own, been repeatedly faced with the subject of suicide. Nationally, about a month ago, America was faced with the tragic news of the suicide of two teenage girls in Pennsylvania who had apparently made a pact together to end their own lives. And uh, another girl who was apparently in that pact with them backed out and pleaded with her friends to back out as well, but they did not. Suicide again has come to national prominence with the case of a girl who took her own life, uh, apparently because of the torment she faced from being bullied by kids at school. In our local news here, we had uh, already heard reports in recent months of two inmate suicides occurring in the uh, Erie County Holding Center in Buffalo, New York. And I was in church on a Wednesday night about an hour and a half before our services recently when I would learn of a third the phone rang, and it was one of the ladies from our church weeping and telling me that her 29 year old son had been arrested and committed suicide in the Erie County Holding Center. I had met uh, this uh, young man on a couple of occasions, but he did not attend our church. <coughs> However, both his mother and his dad do. Recently, one of our young men from church who does work with teenagers at a secular job asked me to pray for him and the many problems he's encountering with the teens there, including talk of suicide by some of the teens. Earlier this week, I met with a mother of some precious young children who just two nights before was taken to the hospital because of trying to take her own life. The day before that, I talked uh, to a man who, in light of his current problems, told me he found himself lying in bed wondering if he'd be better off dead. It appears to me that the adversary is uh, upping his efforts to mess with people's minds and convince them that uh, suicide is a viable option. And I want to say to you, if I happen to be talking to somebody and you're thinking about committing suicide, I I want you to hear me loud and clear. Uh, Suicide is not an option. Suicide solves nothing. It always complicates things. When I was younger, there was a song that became popular called Suicide is Painless. It was the theme from uh, M.A.S.H. The title is the first line of the song's chorus, And it is the invading message that most people take away from the song, Suicide is Painless. That premise couldn't be further from the truth. Suicide is never painless. Suicide always involves pain. There's the pain by uh, the one that's committing suicide that uh, he's felt. There's the pain felt by those that are hearing the reports of it. There's the pain felt by the loved ones that are left behind. I have, as a pastor, done three separate funeral services for people that have committed suicide. Funerals are already not my favorite part of the ministry, but add to that mix doing the funeral of someone who has taken their own life, and it only compounds the difficulty of the circumstances for everybody that's involved. In each of these situations, I have uh, seen personally and and dealt with the pain and the uh, sorrow of uh, family and loved ones left behind questions of why come up. The empty place in the family circle is there. Uh, Their sorrow, their tears, their struggle to carry on. The honest truth is uh, suicide is painful. I've met several times with a man who lives all by himself. His wife of many years had been sick with a prolonged illness, and he came home one day to find that uh, in her despair, she had taken her own life. He's now retired and spends hours in an often darkened Empty house, never quite able to get out from under the shadow of his wife's suicide. Suicide is painful. Many years ago, I met a man while I was preaching away from our church here, and he was a good Christian man, a a faithful and a helpful man in his church. I enjoyed his fellowship. Um, He was indeed a pillar in his local church. And years later, for reasons that were complicated in his own mind, uh, he thought he would do his wife a favor. And kill himself so she could get the insurance money and be set for life. Uh, He apparently did not know that life insurance companies don't pay out for suicides. And instead, what he left behind was a distraught wife, a bewildered church, a distressed pastor, and a blown testimony. (laughs) Suicide is not how you want to be remembered. There's nothing glamorous about it in spite of what literature and uh, movies and and books and songs sometimes uh, do to uh, make it seem glamorous. There is nothing glamorous about it. Other people have to clean up your mess beginning with your body. Suicide is not the heritage you want to leave to your loved ones. When people commit suicide, uh, those that are left behind, whenever their memory uh, comes up, they think and connect it with their death. And that's not the heritage you want to leave for the people that love you. Suicide is painful. Life may be painful, but suicide solves nothing. Listen, if you're not saved, suicide is jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. And I mean the literal fire of hell. For the individual that's never been born again and thinks he can solve all of his problems by suicide, all he has done by suicide is escalate his problems for eternity. For suicide will simply seal his fate in hell and cut off his last opportunity to get saved. For that person, it'll be uh the lake of fire for ever and ever and ever, where, said Jesus, their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Suicide is not painless, suicide is painful. Again, life may be painful but suicide solves nothing. Listen, if you're a Christian committing suicide, you are essentially telling the world that Jesus is powerful enough to save your soul, but not powerful enough to satisfy your soul. But in so doing, you're not telling them the truth. Psalm 116 verse 8 says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. The Lord Jesus our Lord is not only able to save your soul from death, but he's able to save you uh, from tears. He's able to deliver you from tears and deliver your, your feet from falling. Uh, he is able to satisfy. Listen, suicide is not the answer. The Savior is the answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Moreover, if you are a genuine, say, born-again Christian and you commit suicide, you'll have to answer for your actions at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you won't lose your salvation, as some people might tell you, but you will lose rewards. Uh, We are eternally secure once we're saved. But uh, not only are you going to lose rewards, you're going to miss your opportunity to serve the Lord. And really, is is this really your answer to him who loved you and gave himself for you? Just to check out early because life gets uh, difficult and tough? It gets difficult and tough for everybody. Everybody goes through problems. I'm not saying that your problems are not big. I'm saying that we all go through problems. Uh, You need to also consider this if you're saved. Additionally, uh, you are not your own. You belong to God. You've been bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, because of that, you've got no right to end your life. Your life is not your own. It's his. (laughs) Sometime, someplace, somewhere, I heard a Christian, I think it was a preacher, make a statement saying that the Bible didn't really have anything to say about suicide I can only conclude that anyone that would make a statement like that is uh, not really a Bible reader. For anyone that has read the entire Bible has read about suicide. Now, maybe they didn't pay attention to what they were reading. Maybe they missed it, but the Bible clearly deals with the subject of suicide. It doesn't use the word suicide, but it certainly gives light on the subject, including accounts of several suicides in the Bible. We'll discuss those accounts in just a little bit. But speaking of whether or not the Bible addresses suicide, for starters, how about this? Thou shalt not kill. Whether you kill somebody else or whether you kill yourself, you're violating that commandment. It's commandment number six of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. And if you kill yourself, that's just as much a violation of that commandment as uh, if you killed somebody else. So let's be clear about the matter. If that's one of the commandments and uh, you kill yourself, and you've broken that commandment, to be very clear and state it very precisely, uh, suicide is a sin. You've committed a sin. It is wrong to commit suicide. Suicide is not a scriptural option for dealing with your problems. And let me say this and be very clear about it. God is not leading you to end your own life. He he can end it any time he wants without any help from you. God's not leading you to end your own life. I'm, I'll make that very plain and clear. Uh, there may be some spiritual force in planning suicidal thoughts in your mind, but it's not the Lord God Almighty. Uh, it is your adversary, the devil. 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus said of the devil that the devil was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. The devil is a murderer. And he's a liar. And if God won't give the devil permission to kill you, the devil may very well try to get you to do the job yourself by trying to convince you that suicide is a good idea. Uh, but suicide is not a good idea. And you need to remember that uh, that voice, that uh, implantation of those thoughts in your mind is not coming from God, it's coming from the devil. And remember, as we read a little, just a little while ago, uh, he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He is a liar. And I want to ask you, uh, if I'm talking to somebody that's been thinking about this and been entertaining such thoughts, um, if you, if you're thinking that these thoughts are coming from God, go to the scriptures and recognize that God's clear on his commands and he's not going to put something in your mind that's contrary to what he's commanded. If he said, thou shalt not kill, that's what he means. So have you been entertaining such thoughts? And if if you have, uh, you need to remember they're coming from hell and not from heaven. Suicide is a bad idea. Are you having trouble perhaps trying to figure out how to make it through life's trials and pain like a lot of times people do? Uh, You need to remember that suicide is not an option. Have you been contemplating killing yourself? I want you to remember, suicide is not an option. If you've been contemplating it, uh, why don't you just say it out loud with me? Suicide is not an option. Again, if you've been thinking about it, go ahead and say it again. Suicide is not an option. And I want you to just say it out loud right now. Say it all by yourself. Because scripturally, it's, there's no place for it uh, in, the, in the life of a child of God or in the life of somebody that's never been saved. There's no place for it in anybody's life. Did you ever notice that when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, that one of those three temptations could have been a temptation to commit suicide? Think about it. Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says this. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now within the temptation, the devil's telling Jesus that God will take care of him if he jumps off. We already know the devil's a, a, a liar. And uh, you got to be careful about listening to the devil, especially when he quotes scripture. And when the devil quoted there, uh, it was scripture that he quoted. He said, it is written. He quoted scripture. And the part that he quoted, he quoted accurately. It's from Psalm 91. But uh, I say he quoted accurately. The part that he quoted, um, he he quoted accurately, except for leaving out a very important clause. He left out four words where He said, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. After to keep thee, there's four words that should have been there. And those four words are, in all thy ways. For in Psalm 91, it says, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And the devil's very precise in leaving out those words. The devil knew that if he would have included those words in the quote, it could have triggered the memory of another verse beginning with those same words. Proverbs 3, 6, which says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The memory of this verse would trigger the one that's being tempted to pray and to ask God for direction and consider his word before making a hasty decision. And the devil is trying to deceive Jesus, and so he left out that uh, clause. That's how the devil will talk to you. He'll try to get you to decide without considering what God has to say about the subject. And uh, he'll try to get you to decide without considering what the repercussions will be. Uh, Jesus Christ was not taken in so easily. Had he been taken in by the temptation and jumped from the pinnacle of the temple, the end result might have been his untimely death, thus not allowing him to fulfill his destiny in the will of God. But Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And thank God he had enough sense uh, not to take the devil seriously when the devil was uh, putting forth uh, his temptations and thoughts uh, to Jesus Christ. I'm going to take you now through six suicides in the Bible. We're going to look at them in the order they occur in the scripture and try to draw some uh, lessons from them. And uh, as we look at them, we're going to see many of the main reasons why people kill themselves. Uh, there's going to be different specifics, and uh, yet as we go through here, there's also going to be a common theme that um, uh, comes out as a a primary reason why anyone actually goes ahead and and commits suicide. And the first one we're going to see as it shows up in the Scripture is uh, the suicide of Samson. Samson was a man who was mightily used of God, but Samson was also a man who abused his power with God, and he spent, uh, spent the power of God on his own foolishness. Finally, after uh, messing around with sin and messing around with women, including uh, the infamous Delilah, having betrayed his relationship with God, he himself was betrayed by Delilah into the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines then put out Samson's two eyes. Uh, They bound him with fetters of brass, and they made him grind in the prison house. And listen, that's, that's what sin will do to you. Sin will blind, sin will bind, and sin will grind. And Samson's was a life wasted by sin. And now a veritable, veritable shell of a man uh, that he once was, the Philistines led him around like a dog. And they brought him to a pagan celebration where they would offer a sacrifice to their god, Dagon. And they brought Samson there. They said uh, that he may make a sport. And Samson was nothing but a big joke to the Philistines now. Let me read you from uh, Judges chapter 16, verses 27 through 30. Now the house was full of men and women. This is the house where they were uh, worshiping Dagon. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, uh, of the one with his right hand, of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. In the very next chapter, the theme of the book of Judges is stated. It shows up more than once in the book. The theme goes like this, and this is how the book ends as well. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It was not God's plan for Samson to take his own life. That was Samson's plan. Uh, What brought him to this place? What brought him to a place where he would do this thing which was right in his own eyes, but uh, it had nothing to do with with, uh, the word of God or the will of God? The first thing that uh, emerges in Samson's life, as I think about it, that brought to this place was uh, very simply sin. We've already mentioned that Samson's was a life that was uh, uh, wasted uh, in sin and wasted by sin. All that messing around with sin, all that fooling around, all that messing around with with, uh, women and so on and so forth, what did it get him? It got him much more trouble than it was worth was eventually one of those women who betrayed him after, as I said before, he had betrayed the Lord, and uh, it led to his demise. Sin uh, was, was a root cause of uh, Samson's suicide. Another thing that emerges um, about his suicide was uh, spite. He did it for spite. He said uh, th- uh, that I may at may once be avenged. He was looking for vengeance. He, he was looking to get back at the Philistines because of what they did to him. And if that meant, uh, that he had to die along with them, then, uh, he was, uh, all for that. And, uh, Samson, uh, made some foolish decisions. He made some foolish decisions during his life. And the decision he made at the end of his life to end it was, uh, probably more foolish than the rest of them or c- certainly as foolish as the rest of them. And at the end, um, uh, we see in Samson's life also despair. He'd given up. I mean, he'd given up on, uh, having any sort of a quality life, I guess uh, he'd given up, but the, but did he have to, I mean, really, I mean, could he not like many have done there at the end, could he not have repented and restored his relationship with God? I mean, couldn't God have delivered him out of the hands of the Philistines and given him a better life than he had there as their prisoner? Sure. The Lord could have done it, but when Samson prays and he does utter a prayer before his uh, suicide, when Samson prays, he doesn't ask God for forgiveness. He doesn't ask him for deliverance. He doesn't ask him for direction. He simply dictates to God what he's about to do, and then he does it. And he takes no time to listen for God's direction. And that's uh, Samson. That's how his life ended. Not a very good heritage. The next one we come to in the Bible is uh, the suicide of Saul. Saul, the first king of Israel. I'm gonna read it from 1 Samuel chapter 31, verses one through four. says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. The Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. The Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me but his armor bearer would not for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. Saul took a sword and fell upon it. That is Saul on purpose, because his armor bearer wouldn't slay him. He took that sword and he fell upon it and took his own life. Why did he do it? The first thing that seems to emerge was uh, fear. In verse number four, uh, he he said, uh, "Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me." He was afraid of what the Philistines might come and do to him in uh, his weakened state, and so, uh, for the cause of fear, Saul wound up taking his own life. And certainly, these elements that we come here, come through here, are elements that uh, other people consider when they contemplate suicide. Um, there are factors that are involved in there. Uh, sin is a factor that's involved in many a suicide. Uh, fear is a, a factor because people are afraid of what they might have to face. and So they wind up con- contemplating and sometimes even taking their own lives. Another thing that emerges in um, Saul's life uh, that we could, uh, could bring out was uh, apparently one might figure that uh, he was terminally ill it says in verse number three that he was sore wounded of the archers. So we could, um, we could conclude that very possibly he had been wounded unto death, or so he thought, at least in his own mind, he didn't think he was going to make it. And the truth of the matter is, when you get sick, and even if the doctor has told you it's terminal, the truth of the matter is, um, you still might make it, and things might get better. There's many a person walking and living in good health today, that the doctors at one time told them they weren't going to make it. They gave them three months, or they gave them a year, or they told them it's inoperable. But uh, God uh, wasn't figured in the mix, and, and the fact of the matter is uh, your life's in God's hand, and, and as long as uh, you're alive, there's hope. Where there's life, there's hope. And, and so it may have looked like Saul was, uh, wasn't going to make it, but uh, one never knows. Uh, with God, all things are possible. And listen, even if your life's in God's hand and hands, and, and even if uh, you look at your situation and, and you think you're terminally ill, and let's suppose worst-case scenario you are as far as life on earth goes, even if you won't make it, uh, it's still not your call to take uh, your own life. That's God's call. Life and death is, is God's business. Something else that um, shows up in... Uh, uh, Saul's life by his actions. Um, his very actions, just like in the case of, uh, Samson indicate despair for to decide to take his own life. It shows that he'd uh, given up hope. He, he just had given up for whatever reason. He thought, okay, this is it. Uh, I've had enough. And if I don't die right here on my, on my own, uh, right away, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and expedite the process. And so he did. As you look into Saul's life, there's something else that emerges that's worth noting. Uh Saul in his lifetime was troubled by an evil spirit. He had a history of demonic uh trouble. I won't read all these references for you but I'll tell you where they are so you can look them up on your own. 1 Samuel 16 verses 14 through 16 and then verse 23. 1 Samuel 18 verses 6 through 11. 1 Samuel 19 verses 8 through 11. And all those occasions, you'll see t- Saul being troubled by an evil spirit. And it's my experience in dealing with um, with certain people that have been prone to uh, thinking about suicide. It's been my experience that uh, many of them have also been troubled uh, by an evil spirit. Uh, we would call these uh, demons, or the Bible calls them devils. Uh, they are people that go out and minister for the devil, even as angels are ministering spirits for God. Uh, The devil has his own ministering uh, spirits trying to get us to do things that are detrimental to us. And uh, it is demonic influence by and large that even gets a person to think about ending their own life. And the devil tries to put these things in people's minds. And uh, you've got to take, as the Bible said, cast down those imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Along these same lines, but, um, uh, a little bit more precise, we find that Saul also was dabbling in the occult. Uh, you can look it up again for yourself in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 6 through 8, and uh, then 1 Chronicles chapter 10, and verse number 13. And f- uh, you'll find some uh, references to this, but in 1 Samuel 28, verse 6 through 8, Saul inquired of one that had a familiar spirit. He did this because uh, he wasn't getting any answer from the Lord. So he inquired of the one that had a familiar spirit, and in First Chronicles 10, verse 13, we find out that this inquiry that he had made was connected with his death. It was one of the reasons that God stated for him dying. And uh, all of these things preceded Saul ultimately taking his own life on the battlefield. The third uh, suicide is uh, right there in the same context. I read from 1 Samuel 31 uh, up through uh, verse number 4 from the beginning of the chapter. Now, verse 5 says this, And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. You know, uh, one of the troublesome things about suicides and reports of them is is they seem to spawn more suicides or more thoughts of it. This seems to be the case here uh, in uh, the case of Saul's armor bearer. And uh, what was he going through? Well, uh, he'd certainly gone through some confusion. The man that he looked up to uh, was dead. The one that he look, looked up to showed him uh, an example of a way to die, and then uh, he followed along and did the same thing. And uh, I got to say that, uh, by and large, when people uh, wind up taking their own lives, uh, there is a lot of confusion. And let me remind you or inform you of this, that uh, God is not the author of confusion, Uh, Again, that's the devil's business. God's the author of peace, the Bible says, not of confusion. What else could have uh, led to the uh, suicide of Saul's armor bearer? Well, uh, failure and fear, perhaps. As his armor bearer, I suppose it was uh, likely that he would get blamed uh, for not protecting Saul's life, for not uh, even giving up his own life to make sure that Saul lived in the battle. And uh, he was uh, very likely afraid of what he might face. And we've already mentioned that before, but, uh, but it shows up again. And then, uh, as in uh, all the cases, uh, there is, again, despair. And really, this is the common element in all suicides. Uh, despair, it's hopelessness. For before a person commits suicide, they've got to get to that place where they think their situation on earth in life is hopeless. Everyone that commits suicide has despaired of life. Uh, for suicide is not the fear of death. It is the fear of life. It is complete discontentment with life. The tragedy is this, people. The tragedy, friends, is that when a person gets to that point, it's a perfect opportunity to try giving your life over to Jesus Christ and doing things God's way, because obviously what you've been doing previously isn't working. Obviously what you've been trying hasn't been bringing about peace. And so it's the perfect opportunity for you to try the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The fourth suicide we come to is in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 15 through 17. You can read about uh, a man there named Ahithophel. Specifically, uh, we'll read about him in chapter 16 and in, in the suicide. But you can read about his life in uh, chapters 15, 16, and 17 of Second Samuel. Ahithophel was a counselor of David. Uh, Ahithophel joined up with Absalom when Absalom was rebelling against uh, David, who was Absalom's father, and uh, tr- uh, trying to take the kingdom from him. In Second Samuel 16, verse 23, uh, we read of um, Ahithophel, and it says that the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. In order to defeat Absalom, David sent another counselor named Hushai to Absalom. Now, Hushai was on David's side, but he would convince Absalom that he was now on his side. With Hushai in place, Absalom sought counsel of Ahithophel, who then uh, answered with his advice. Absalom then put the same question to Hushai, who gave conflicting counsel. When they heard it, they concluded that God was trying to defeat Absalom with bad counsel from Ahithophel, and they chose to follow Hushai's advice. Now, the actual account of um, Ahithophel's suicide is in uh, chapter 17. A moment ago, I said chapter 16, but it's 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. And it says this, And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his mm-hmm. city and put his household in order, and hanged himself, and died, and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Ahithophel's taking of his own life is really very instructive. What got Ahithophel down? Well, the first thing I see is uh, pride. Ahithophel was humiliated that he was no longer the go-to guy for the king. Prior to this, I mean, his, his word is what it was like inquiring at the mouth of God, and his uh, advice was uh, held in great esteem, and it was always, all, always followed. And now um, another guy comes on the scene, and, and Ahithophel was not willing to share the limelight with anyone. Uh, his humiliation, no doubt, uh, as his pride was wounded, led him to take his own life. Another thing that uh, goes along with that is he 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 mo- no doubt apparently felt uh, useless. Perhaps he, in his thought process he he think now nah, they don't need me anymore. Now they've got Hushai, and that kind of thinking can lead to self pity. The the self pity where you think nobody thinks very highly of you. There's an old song that says nobody likes me, everybody hates me. I'm gonna eat some worms. Ugh ugh. And I'm certainly not trying to make light of your circumstances, but sometimes you need to make sure that you're not overstating your circumstances, because oftentimes people do. Circumstances are often not as bad as we make them out to be. And uh, even if they are, you've got to be careful about taking yourself too seriously seriously. Listen, it's okay to take your life seriously, and it's okay to take the Lord seriously, and it's okay to take your service for him seriously, and and all of those things, but be careful about taking yourself too seriously. Uh, The Bible says every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Listen, even if we're saved, at best, we are sinners saved by grace. Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So listen, James 4 and verse 10 tells us, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Instead of wallowing in self-pity, as long as you're down on the ground, get on your face and pray and say, oh, God, here I am. I'm a nothing, and I I need your help. I am down. I am troubled. Lord, in Jesus' name, will you strengthen me and lift me up and help me to get through this? I think uh, Ahithophel also faced uh, confusion I mean, this had obviously never hap- happened in him before. It never, never happened that uh, somebody didn't listen to his advice, or if it had, it certainly hadn't happened for a long time. He had achieved this uh, position of counselor where people, when they wanted to know the mind of God, they'd go and seek it from him. And he no doubt was faced with a very confusing situation and didn't know how to handle it. He was defeated. Ahithophel knew how to handle victory. But he didn't know how to handle defeat. Years ago, I heard a story of a, on the radio, I think it was, of a college student who apparently was used to getting straight A's and wound up killing herself because she did not get uh, an A in a particular grade, in a particular test or a particular class. And folks, listen, you've got to understand something about life. You can't win all the time. You've got to learn to handle defeat. You don't have to, th- you don't have to like defeat, and you don't have to quit striving for excellence but you must learn how to handle defeat. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Hey, in that verse, it says that a just man, that's the kind of man you want to be, a just man. Uh, If you're saved and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a just man. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times. A just man, even a just man is going to fall. But the Bible says, After he falls, (laughs) he's going to rise up again, learn how to handle defeat, learn from defeat. And get yourself back up and get going again. And if you fall, get yourself back up and get, and get going again. A just man falls seven times. I don't know what somebody's thinking. They're thinking, well, I've fallen more than seven times. Listen, if I'd fallen seven times and uh, each time I fell, I got up. The first time I fell, I got up. The second time I fell, I got up. And, and I did that for seven times. And then I fell an eighth time. Do you know what I'm going instinctively, to instinctively do the eighth time? I'm going to get up again. <laughs> you don't have to stop. After seven times, after seven times, it should become a habit that uh, once you've fallen, you just rise up again. Something else that uh, he faced, Ahithophel did, was rejection. He had been passed over in favor of a rival. And rejection is never an easy thing. Rejection shows up in life, rejection shows up in friendship, it shows up in business, it shows up in love. I was uh, in, in Pensacola, Florida, when I was going to Bible school. I was at a, um, a young people's hangout where they had a whole bunch of young people gathered and music playing, a place where they'd go in and the young people could learn how to um, uh, listen to rock music and, and dance and uh, everything but, uh, but drinking so that when they're old enough to go into the bars, they'll know just how to do it and uh, transfer their business from one place to the next. I was outside of that place and we were uh, witnessing the people and passing out tracks and I began to talk with a young man who was sitting in his truck. And he had just broken up that night with his fiance, with whom he had been engaged for uh, two years. She had broken it off. And there he was sitting in his truck with the motor running, the music blasting, and a faraway look in his eyes. And he told me he was going to go end it all that night. I witnessed to him, and he listened intently. Now, I'm not sure what happened after he left. But what got him was Rejection. Rejection of somebody that uh, he was close to. It's not an easy thing, but just like defeat, we've got to learn to deal with it. Can I tell you something? There's somebody that will never reject you if you'll come to him with an honest heart and a heart of repentance and faith, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come to him. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You come to him. And he won't uh, cast you out. He won't turn you away. Ahithophel no doubt felt pain. Ahithophel thought that uh, his pain of rejection was uh, too much to face. The young man whose fiance broke up with him thought his pain was too much to get over. But there's a great truth that you don't want to miss. It's very likely things will not seem as bad after some time goes by. There's a little phrase in the Bible that shows up time and again. It says, and it came to pass. And so many things do. Storms in life, both literal and spiritual storms, they come and then they pass. Life is not one continuous storm, but sometimes in the midst of a storm, you wonder if you're going to get through alive. What you got to do is you got to ride that storm out and get through it. You ought to learn to avoid making big decisions while you're depressed or discouraged or defeated. Give it some time. Give yourself some time. Give God some time. Listen, Job did. And God blessed him with twice as much in the end as he had at the beginning. And then, of course, uh, our common theme of despair, no doubt, came into play with Ahithophel. Just like all the rest. And Ahithophel gave in to the oppressing spirit of despair. Uh, Job had faced that same spirit of despair when having lost his earthly wealth and his physical health and the lives of his children, he said, my soul chooses strangling and death rather than, life, than my life. But Job left that life in the hands of God, who did a much better job on Job's future than one uh, would have imagined possible at that point. Number five is a man named Zimri. Zimri was the captain of half of the chariots of the army of Baasha, king of Israel. And Zimri conspired against Basha and killed him and reigned in his stead. As soon as he began to reign, he killed all the relatives of Basha. When Israel heard what had happened, uh, they took and made Omri king. Then Omri and the people went and besieged the city where Zimri was. And here we read in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And it came to pass when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the palace of the king's house and burnt the king's house over him with fire and died for his sins which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the ways of Jeroboam, and in his sin, which he did to make Israel to sin. Well, obviously, uh, sin was here again involved in someone's suicide. For the Bible had said in verse 19, First uh, Kings chapter 16, that he had died for his sins, which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And that led to a, a, a wrong way of thinking. See, sin will mess up your mind. And that led ultimately to his demise, uh, his sins. Uh, He was also in despair. He saw no way out of his circumstances. He looked about, about, saw the people uh, besieging the city, and saw that um, he was captured and decided instead of facing up to um, uh, the challenge that he was about to have to deal with, uh, he just ended all and he, he burnt the house down over him and he died in the fire. He got his eyes on his circumstances and not on God. Now, listen, what he have gotten out of uh, those circumstances, even if his eyes were on God? From a human standpoint, it doesn't look like it, but you never know. I said before, i say it again with God, all things are possible. Our job is to look to Him and ask Him for help. And listen, until you've done that, don't give up. Something else I see in Zimri was impatience. He made the decision too quick. Uh, some would say, in light of my last point, I, I asked God for help and He didn't help me, so I'm just going to give up. Well, Maybe he didn't help you right away, but why don't you do this? Instead of giving up, why don't you make sure your heart is right with him, ask him again, and then wait on his direction. Suicide is often an impulsive act by an impatient person going through extreme difficulty. So let me reiterate what I mentioned a a few moments ago. Avoid making big decisions while you're depressed, discouraged, or defeated. Give it some time. Give yourself some time. Give God some time. Then in Zimri's life, there's a classic statement made in regard to Zimri in 2 Kings 9 and verse 31. The question is this, had Zimri peace who slew his master? The implied answer to that question is obviously no. Why did he take his own life? Zimri had no peace. The people were not at peace with him, nor was he at peace with himself. People problems often figure into the discouragement of those who contemplate suicide, even as the bullying uh, incident we mentioned earlier that seemed to drive a, a young girl to suicide. The solution to uh, that discouragement of uh, people uh, is get your eyes off the people and onto Jesus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, keep your eyes on him and he'll deliver you. Zimri's problem was deeper than just being at odds with the people and having people at odds with him. Uh, He was obviously not at peace with himself. And the answer to this is very simply a right relationship with God. And you can have that if you want. All right. Finally, the most famous suicide in the Bible, Judas Iscariot, Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse one. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. That's uh, what Judas Iscariot did. What was it that prompted him to take his own life? By his own mouth, it was sin. He said, "I have sinned." This has shown up repeatedly in the lives of uh, those who have committed suicide in the Bible, and not only that. Uh, the matter, the matter of uh, fact is, it shows up in the lives of people in in, in the real world today when they uh, wind up committing suicide. I referenced uh, earlier uh, three men that had killed themselves in the Erie County Holding Center. Uh, Two of those three men were known heroin abusers. Sin will drive you crazy, folks. That's why Jesus said, go and sin no more. For all the pleasure that sin promises, uh, for all the pleasure it promises to give those that uh, give themselves over to it, uh, people that do wind up most miserable. Folks, what, what uh, Judas did was he betrayed Jesus Christ. This led to him being um, uh, depressed to the point of suicide. And when we sin, we betray Christ like Judas did. And our sin can depress us to that point as well. Judas despaired just like the rest of them. Judas despaired of living. Sin and despair operate hand in hand. The one seems to lead to the other. Poor or rich, famous or obscure, educated or uneducated, saved or lost, many a person troubled by sin is despaired of life because sin cannot deliver what it promises. It ultimately delivers the exact opposite of what it promises. For the Bible says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Judas gave up hope. He could have turned to God, he, but he didn't. He could have repented toward God, but instead he, the Bible says he repented himself. We see in his life also then a worldly sorrow. In Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10, the Bible says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world worketh death. The Bible says Judas repented himself, but he did not repent toward God. He felt bad about what he did, but he concocted his own solution, and the sorrow of the world worketh death. That was his solution, but it wasn't God's solution. Those are six suicides in the Bible. There was almost a seventh. So before we finish completely, let me quickly tell you that story. It's found in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas had been arrested and unjustly put in prison for being good Christians. But it wasn't either of them that despaired and contemplated suicide. Quite the contrary. After being beaten and thrust into the prison and their feet put in stocks, the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the, doors, the, uh, all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord unto all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. The Philippian jailer, that's what we call him. The Philippian jailer was the suicide that wasn't. He who a short time earlier had his sword drawn and was all set to take his own life was now at the end of this passage, sitting with his family, rejoicing in his newfound faith. And uh, that could be you. That could be you. From suicide to the Savior. Listen, if you're in despair right now to the point of suicide, or if you're simply without peace, whether, whether or not you're, you've reached the point of suicide, whatever your case, if you don't have that peace, if you don't have that uh, fulfillment within, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you right now bow your head and pray and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. His invitation that I mentioned earlier still Echoes down through the ages, some 2,000 years later, as he said and promises, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said also, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. The Bible says when a man is ready to repent of his sin and put his faith and trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for the salvation of his soul, it says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you call upon his name right now? If you're ready to do that and you mean business and you'll call upon him and ask Jesus to save you, putting your faith and trust in him and him alone as your only hope for heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ will come in your heart and save you right now. You could pray, you could ask him to do that even now. If if you mean business with him, I'm going to give you a prayer that you could pray, not just repeating these words as a vain repetition. But you could pray this prayer or something like it from your heart to God. From your heart, through your mouth, to the heart of God. You could pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe that you were buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Dear Jesus, please come into my heart and save me from my sins and from hell. I repent of my sins and I receive you, Jesus as my personal Savior, I am right now trusting you, Jesus, as my only hope for forgiveness in heaven. Amen.
1: There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sin. Lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all guilty stains, the dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Ransom church of God Be saved to sin no more Be saved to sin no more Be saved to sin no more Till all the ransom church of God Sin no more. E'er since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die And shall be till I die Redeeming love has been my theme And shall be till I die When this poor list tongue lie silent in the grave. Then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy part to save. I'll sing thy part to save. I'll sing thy power to save. No sweeter song. I'll sing thy power to save.
0: Amen. Okay, comments.
2: Uh, it's probably. Uh, uh, I'm just saying this just from my own experience. It's probably the best message I've ever heard on on uh, the subject of suicide, and. Uh, you know, Pastor Strobel, you said uh, a great truth that in this day and age that we're living in, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been touched by suicide. And uh, I know of a couple of them my, myself personally. And uh, the emptiness that uh, family, friends uh, feel when someone does something like that is uh, is just sometimes more than you can bear and uh, obviously it's the grace of God is the only thing that really can get you through you know and the surprising thing is is that sometimes the people around those that are c- contemplating suicide really don't even have any clue that that's going on in the mind and heart of the person that that's uh, thinking about it. Uh, sometimes the best thing they can do is just talk to somebody else Amen. Uh, have an open ear you know or or at least you know not think that people don't want to talk to you about it because uh you know it's yeah, that's the last thing you want to do obviously
3: yeah it definitely hits home for me too i i know um a uh, kid i went to high school with he was a great ahead of me and uh, he committed suicide last year and and uh you know if you take those polls, who's the most likely to succeed, he was the one. I mean, he had the best grades, he was uh, the most popular, and and uh, just from the outside, he looked so happy, and, and that's the case with a lot of people, is, you know, you look, they look so happy on the outside, but on the inside, they're just, uh, they're not at peace, and, and uh, it just hit at home, because uh, when I graduated, we had about uh, 67 people in our class, graduating class, so it was a small uh, high school, and we knew each other pretty well, and and I had known uh, since we graduated high school that going through college and, and even after that uh, for a few years in the working uh, world that uh, he was having trouble and he was getting mixed up with alcohol and drugs and, you know, just trying to find something. And uh, dad, I know you looked at it too, but he has uh, he had posted some things on the internet. Uh, right. He had like his own blogs there and, and uh, that he was searching. He was searching for different religions, different things. And and, uh, he just could never find Jesus Christ. And I wish I had that chance that I can go back and, and, uh, and I could have witnessed to him, but, but it's, it's, it's tough. I know, uh, me as personally, before I got saved five years ago, uh, you know, I, the thought passed through my mind and, uh, just cause I didn't have any peace uh, God was dealing with me. And, uh, that's one thing that I, also those listeners that are listening as well, um, you know they go to a lot of psychologists or or doctors and they say well let's put you on some medication and, and things like that I, I think back if i would have went on some medication i don't know if i would have ever gotten saved and uh that's one thing that you know okay if you have a uh you know a what do you call it deficiency or something like that you know they can do blood work and see you need this medication but i think a lot of doctors nowadays are are giving uh everybody just medication to uh to kill their conscience, you know, and sear their consciences with a hot iron. And, uh, then God can't deal with you anymore. So, so if you're dealing with something like that before, uh, or you're dealing with something and, and you just, you contemplating suicide, uh, definitely like pastor Strobel said, uh, turn to Jesus Christ. He, he'll give you, uh, that rest, that peace that passes all understanding.
0: Amen. And, and I work in a public school and uh, while I work in the elementary level, um, you know, as a counselor, we also help out at the high school, and and one of the one of the things that you fear as as a as a counselor, but I guess as any school employee, is the suicide of a young person in a high school setting. Because what invariably happens, as Pastor Strobel mentioned, people start to think about it, and uh, it's it's really kind of rare that there's just one suicide and we had I'm not sure exactly how many years ago it was now, but we had not one, but three suicides in a school year at the high school level. So it's, it's something that we don't talk a lot about, but the, you know, the Bible as Pastor Strobel pointed out. It, it covers it. And, uh, for those, for those reasons that, um, uh, you know, are varied for for a lot of people, but I think a, a common threat is 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 sin. And as Matt mentioned, you know, sometimes, perhaps not in all cases, but sometimes doctors, while trying to combat what essentially is a spiritual problem, will try and, and dope up a a, a, a sin sick conscience, or you know, they'll they'll just try and do it with with uh, prescription drugs, which, that's not what you need. Amen.
2: I remember uh, Matt saying what he said uh, about his own, you know, before he trusted Christ as his Savior and the thought that passed through. I had a very similar uh, thought that passed through my mind probably about a month or two before I trusted Christ, uh, sitting in a in a bar room full of people with a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other hand, and and people enjoying themselves all around me, and and I had just come off the dance floor, and I'm sitting there looking at all of that, and and I and I thought if this was all there was to life, I might as well blow my brains out. That's the thought that went through my head, and uh, uh, from that point, God began to to move and and. Uh, uh, put some things together and, and basically opened up my understanding to the gospel which had been closed up to that point and uh, I thank God I trusted the Lord as my Savior so uh, that answer is there and I think Pastor Strobel stated it extremely well
0: Amen Okay, anything else? I think that's it Thanks, Steve, for letting us use the uh, the baritones.
2: Uh, amen. Praise the Lord. I'll
0: have to, uh, we'll have to get some more recordings.
2: You guys don't have yeah. a CD yet, do you? Uh, no, no, haven't yet. Uh, it's been talked about from time to time, but uh, we can't get everybody close enough together to to do something like that. So,
0: do you have other recordings like that?
2: Uh, I think we've got a couple of things. I, I have to search them out and find them. We can
0: put out an I, e, EP then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, uh... Some
4: <laughs> go ahead, Scott. <laughs> I was going to say, you could gather all those clips from the different places and put out a live album. Yeah, there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, some stuff that we've done, uh, not just with the boys, but my wife and my daughters and... Uh, uh, Steve's wife and, and uh, got a few things that we've done Just-
0: We should get those together And make those available for download Through uh, That's in the Bible
4: yeah. Amen, yeah. Uh-huh. Amen. Okay. I'll, I'll download them <laughs> <laughs> We'll host
0: them We'll put, right. put together a little CD Alright Well Lord willing we'll see everyone back here next time Amen
1: their doom, trumpets will will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where where no one dies, heavenward bound. shall rise me. in the skies going, going where no one dies heavenward Heaven
0: This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at That's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's
4: 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.